0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the CMPU, in association with 898 Authentic Rock and Roll, proudly present the ultimate catalog class!
1: Hey, look at you. You made it to the ultimate catalogue clash. But what does the English nobility have to do with today's... Ep- I'm stealing another intro, Corey. I'm like stealing intros from other podcasts. I thought I'd steal one from the Honest and Unmerciful podcast, which my friends Pete and Brian bats This is actually the Ultimate Catalog Clash, where myself and my co-host Corey Morissette take on the discography of one artist per season to find out which record will emerge as the champion. Uh, We'll rate one side of each record in an episode and rank the songs on music, lyrics, and production. At the end of the episode, we'll each have a score out of 25 uh, to award to this side of the album, and once we're done both sides, we'll have a score total out of 100. Um, Corey, one thing I was thinking about, and I should should say, I'll ask you how you're doing in a minute though, double albums. What about uh, artists that have double albums? We're going to have to, do we average? How do we do this?
0: Uh, I I think we're probably going to have to average uh, in in that case, right? Because, yeah, double albums are going to be a little tricky.
1: Because, you know, you're up against 200, up against 100. That's not really a fair fight.
0: No, not really. And uh, I was just kind of going through the notes, and it looks like right now our leader uh, is an album that you just picked up on on Yellow Vinyl for your birthday. First of all, happy birthday, sir. And second of all, let the folks know what you got for your birthday.
1: I got the Yellow Vinyl 180-gram repressing of A Trick of the Tail, and it is beautiful. I love the artwork on that album. I like the inner, like, cause a gatefold. I love a gatefold. It's a gatefold. It's got all the lyrics in there. So, yeah, it was great. And I also and picked so... up Crowded House.
0: Um, oh, I can't remember which one album it is now, but... The first one? I don't oh, Which one was it now? Just me... oh. I only know Something So Strong and the uh, not Dream It's Over. That's
1: Yeah, it's that one. Is that the first okay.
0: one? Uh, maybe the first one hit the mainstream anyway. That's the first one I remember. It is that one, yeah. Yeah. Do okay.
1: so it is the first one? Okay see i just, I just picked it up i didn't even did know oh God, look, there's another artist there's a band we gotta do dude
0: but so yeah this weekend i was at the vinyl store i was on the hunt for some eddie money couldn't, i I left empty-handed though but i was yeah, eddie money came up on my shuffle right take me home tonight and then i want to okay. go back and i'm like oh fuck i gotta get some 80s eddie money two tickets to paradise but no i couldn't find it
1: well you know what you uh you, you got a contact in saskatoon um, I'll keep my eyes on the right. uh, the vinyl exchange for you.
0: So that's two got to find for me now. you got to find me uh, The Northern Pikes and, uh, and Eddie Money.
1: They had The Pikes in... Oh, man, where did they have that I saw? I think it was McNally, but I don't think it was the album you wanted. So I'll double check again, though. I'll double check. Okay. But enough of that. We're not talking about The Northern Pikes or Eddie Money or... Jan- well, we are talking about Genesis,
0: but we're not yeah. talking about The Trick of the Tale. Which album are we doing today, Corey? Tonight we're doing Duke. Uh, the 10th studio album by uh, Genesis, and uh, what is it now? Uh, the second, with just the uh, triumvirate of uh, Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford, and Tony Banks. Uh, this kind of comes, uh, kind of a weird spot uh, in the band's history, doesn't it? Because uh, Phil uh, got an ultimatum from his wife on the last tour, like, If you go on the tour, I'm not going to be home
2: when yeah. you get
0: there. Uh, so he was trying to salvage his marriage, and she uh, they they had both moved to Vancouver. Uh, so he told the boys all right, uh, I'm going to be in Vancouver. You have to kind of, uh, you know, uh, put up with that. So both Mike and Tony released solo records. And, uh, and then Phil kind of came back to the fold. And, and this is the result.
1: Yeah, and the two albums that they released, Tony did um, an album called A Curious Feeling, which it's just... don't mm, 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 mm. um, And Mike did it, an album called Small Creeps Day, which actually, if you've never checked it out, give it a listen. It's weird. And you can tell it's sort of... You know those artists who really need someone else to bounce ideas off, and they need those other people? Or, I mean, other than Phil, the other two definitely need someone else to bounce ideas off, because when they're left to their own devices, it doesn't always work. So,
0: Yeah, uh, Mike didn't really hit his stride until he uh, teamed up with the mechanics. Yeah, absolutely of strong personalities in that group as well, right?
1: Oh, my God, Paul Young, Paul Carrick. I mean, twin lead <laughs> vocals. I mean, Jesus, give me a break. And I saw those guys live. Really? We were front row. We saw those live. So we saw them in Manchester, me and my family. Um, Not my family here, but my family back home. Uh, And we had uh, three three of my small cousins came along. And the youngest was, I think he was five. Um, And he fell asleep. During uh, about halfway through the concert. And the rhythm guitarist, who's like a session musician, same guy who toured with Pink Floyd, and I can't think of his name now. At one point in the day, they're playing, you know, I don't know, power avion or something just a kind of bit of a slower song and he kind of comes to the edge of stage and he looks down it looks at me because my cousin's sitting to my right he looks at me and he goes is he okay i gave like, him a thumbs <laughs> up and he was, I was like, that, that's so classy that is so classy yeah that's awesome but yeah so they so phil comes back from vancouver and he starts working on a pretty big album so he's working on face value and he basically has everything demoed everything's written and so that's his first real stab at becoming a songwriter and he said in, in an interview i was listening to he's like, i came back and i actually felt like a songwriter and all three of them said that one of the weird dynamics with duke is they didn't really come in with that many songs because they sort of shot their bolts and they'd written all the songs on their own so there's a lot of songs that are co-writes on this album and a lot of stuff that's worked up in the studio which i think gives it a, a different dynamic certainly to the, the last last album we covered uh
0: and it's interesting too because there there's a real uh disagreement uh between phil and tony as phil claims he swears that he offered in the air tonight to genesis and tony yep. says absolutely he did not <laughs> and if you watch uh the sum of uh all parts or whatever some of their parts uh documentary uh they they cut back and forth fulls like i 100 absolutely offered it to tony and tony says he certainly did not or i would have taken it so i don't know who do you believe in that scenario i i, I kind of side with um. phil on that one tony's such a pretentious dink it seems like that <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Phil Collins, if, you, if you're sitting on in the
1: air tonight, I don't know if you want to give that to anyone. I think you might want to call that <laughs> one back. I think you want
0: to keep that one in your back pocket and just not uh, just not tell anyone about that one, right? But he did give a couple of tracks, though, to Duke. and uh, yeah. Well, one of them we're going to cover here tonight on Side A. And uh, I don't want to tip my hand too much, but pretty decent track. It was a single. Mm-hmm. So we got
1: Misunderstanding. And what was the other track? I can't remember the other track that they uh, did the Phil track. It was on Side 2, right? I'm
0: trying to remember yes. what it was called uh please don't ask there you go yeah yeah which is again kind of uh you know a lot of face value came out of his divorce and please don't ask is another track that yeah uh, it kind of follows that, that that same theme
1: well it's funny because i didn't know you know growing up i didn't know that phil collins was got a divorce i didn't know anything was going on and when you listen to face value retrospectively once you know that's like holy shit yeah this this
0: guy's in pain man like this guy's in trouble yes (laughs) (laughs) well in the air tonight kicks off the album right yeah it it takes a dark turn right off the right off the hop if you told me you were drowning i would not lend a hand like wow phil (laughs) tell us how you really feel are you talking to tony (laughs) (laughs) because i get it (laughs)
1: just gonna hate on for tony hey until i I know i know know this is gonna but that cloud will uh, dissipate once we get to domino oh yeah at at
0: the latest but i think maybe early but we'll see And you know, and uh, my hate for him in in instrumentals too will dissipate when we hear the Brazilian because I love that track. So,
1: I was reading too that, um, or I think maybe I was watching one of the interviews too, that Phil said that this is the first time he thought that they sounded good on record. Yeah. Um, And we'll definitely get into this when we talk about production, but there's a marked change in the way this record sounds from the way, and then there were three and everything else before it sounded. It's fuller. You know, it's a bit, everything sounds a wee bit fatter. It's got more bass end, low end then in there.
0: So I think once we get into that stuff, we'll be commenting on that probably quite a bit. I'm thinking, uh, what do you see? Uh, Should we just get right into it and start playing side A of Duke? Here we go. This is the first track called Behind the Lines. So looking at the track listing, I'm like, oh, I've never heard this song before, but I watched the Genesis documentary, uh, Come Rain or Shine. Yeah. And this is how they kicked off that tour, but was was playing behind the lines uh, and they segued right into, uh, oh, it was it was one of the Dukes, wasn't it? It would be Duchess. They always go. So,
1: I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit probably later on, but the original sort of idea was that side one was kind of going to be like almost a bit like supper's ready where it would be one continuous piece with everything stitched together. So behind the lines um, and Duchess into guide vocal, then it was supposed to go into turn it on again into Duke's travels and Duke's end. So that, if you think about that, and I'd listen to that playlist, I put it together as a playlist today and man, does it work. And so on that tour, that's the way they used to play though. They would play those six songs basically as a piece.
0: Actually in 07, uh, they played behind the lines, right into Duke's end. Okay, yeah. You know, and then turn it on again. This is in two thousand seven on the turn. Okay, it on when again. they came back, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I read that about uh, you know they wanted to you know make it a suite and they ended up splitting it up uh, on both sides because like you said, turn it on again was supposed to be part of that suite and stuff. Uh yeah. I I had a comment to make on that. Maybe we'll get a couple tracks in before we talk about that though. But uh, I, I really kind of liked uh, how behind the lines they kind of segue into Duke's end, which would have been part of that suite, uh, yeah. and then the uh, the second track on that tour was uh, uh, turn it on again. And it's such a natural progression from Duke's End to Turn It On Again. It flowed perfectly. Yeah. Well, the sonic is so close, right? I mean, you can see that when, you know, in all, all of those songs, I think everything
1: except um, Guide Vocal, they were all co writes. They were all worked up in the studio. And that's what the guy said is when you come in with fewer songs, now we actually just have to come up with this stuff on the fly, right? And I think yeah. that really actually changed the dynamic about how they write because from there on, they spent a lot of time in the studio working up the bass songs and the music and then one of them would take the track and they'd go write the lyrics whatever else but i think it just changed that dynamic where they thought oh actually this is a really good way for us to collaborate it's a good way for us to write rather than individually
0: Yeah, and I, i'm just looking at that set list again from 2007 uh the sixth track uh is the cinnamon show but then that segues into duke's travels so there's another song cinema show uh-huh. was a peter gabriel song though right yeah okay yeah from one lies down i'm pretty sure okay thought that was interesting um my first timestamp. Uh, I have about a minute 49 because I thought this is a great spot for the instrumental to end, And guess what? It doesn't. So let, let's, I'm going <laughs> to go to a minute 46. We'll play it for a little bit here. So yeah this interme- instrumental section I thought they could trim down a bit. Uh, that section we just heard if that would have been the kickoff to the side, I would have been perfectly happy with that because like Phil's killing it on the drums. like everybody's just playing a little more little more power, a little more energy than they did at the beginning yeah. of the song. Uh, so if they could have started with that maybe trim this down a bit it's 542 definitely not their longest song but they, they, they've been known to, to kind of wank off just a little too long on some of their compositions. this is just another one just a tad too long. For some people, but it's had too long for some people. I mean, this, and again, this is where we, it's,
1: it's great. And we've talked about this on previous episodes. If you, if this is the first episode you're listening to, um, it's been great sort of introducing Corey to prog rock Genesis, which they still were when Phil sort of became the lead singer. Um, to me, this is just, this is glorious. I mean, it, it's Genesis in full flow. It's great. It's in this major key. It's uplifting. You know, you, it, it's the type of song that it is, is the thing then for you. If you had that riff and you shorten it down to about a minute, and that's, you know, let's say it's, I don't know, Van Halen's got something like that. Live, they would jam that out. You, you yeah. can extend that as your intro to open a concert because it's so, like I said, it's so uplifting and Phil's going mental on the drums. It's great. Oh, and, and I should, yeah. I just got to correct myself too quickly because I, I said that the cinema show was from Lamb Lies Down. It is in fact from Selling England by the Pound. Okay. Gotcha. I don't
0: want to get in trouble with any of the Genesis diehards. No, good, good call, good call. One uh, note I made here is that the band is absolutely cooking uh, oh, on this yeah. track to kick this off, like... Already kind of all the things I, I didn't really like about it. And then there were three are kind of being uh, alleviated uh, on the first track on Duke here. So did, did you have a timestamp you wanted to run to here, my friend? Yeah. I mean, go straight to two thirteen
1: Cause we're, we're, we're right away. We're going into the time, uh, the, the time change or the, the tempo change. And this is what you're talking about. You could trim off leading into this bit I is what I think. And then yeah. play it through till about two thirty nine, two forty something around there. Cause Mike has a cool bass lick. You got it.
0: We should stop it there, yeah. And I mean, that that bass, oh man, it's just filthy. I love it. It's fantastic. And actually, uh, Phil Collins does a version of this song on face value. And uh, it's a lot funkier. And I don't think it's that successful. I I really like Genesis version a lot better than the one that was on face value. like It it really goes big time, like Michael Jackson off the wall style funk. And I don't know, it it didn't really work for me. Whereas this stuff with, with Mikey on the bass, fantastic. What's funny about that, though, is, and I'll put
1: a challenge to you because I think exactly the same thing when I listen to this version. If you listen to Face Value, once you get to Behind the Lines, it fits perfectly. Okay. But when you listen to this, and then you listen to Behind
0: the Lines, of the Face Value, you're like, ah, oh, it's a bit thin and, and a bit. And I don't, I don't care about this song, you know. And that's exactly what I did. I listened to this first, and then I listened to Phil's on, on yeah. Face Value. So. It's just a great vocal performance by Phil Collins. Yeah, it is.
1: I mean, through this album, and would actually kind of made a note to you that or I was going to say to you that this album could also be called Phil Collins finds his voice. Because this, all through this album, you're like, ah, that's the Phil Collins I know from you know face value and but seriously and no jacket required that's that big push that he can do and then he can belt out where we never heard that before less falsetto on this album and a bit more belting but but that bass man that bass there and i think it's matched a little bit i couldn't quite tell but it sounds like it's being doubled by a really low organ because okay. it's really fat and i think it's a, there's obviously a little bit of fuzz on the bass yeah um
0: don't think it's picked i think it's still on on his fingers but it just man, it's so beefy one uh, note i put on this entire side was confidence you could tell uh, especially mike and phil especially are playing and singing with a lot more confidence than they did on the previous three albums it's got a swagger hey it's a bit of yeah, swagger too. It, it really does I, I love songs with swagger uh, my <laughs> next moment here was about 406 did you have one before then uh four
1: right four okay. which pro- we're probably going to talk about the same thing
0: probably yeah here we go <laughs>
1: that big vocal man yeah like i said that's the first time you really in in the genesis category hear phil just open up and go for it and it's like whoa that and and i because obviously you know i kind of got into genesis after all this happened so i I, like invisible touch was probably my first exposure or maybe the genesis album so i just knew that phil collins could do that but imagine you know being a fan from day one, and then you get to this album and think, whoa, where the fuck is this coming from? This kid's going to change in direction there."
0: When you said 406, I couldn't decide if you're going to talk about the vocal or the cymbals, because there's a really cool cymbal hit too uh, before he kicks in there that I thought you might point out. Oh, look, man, if we, I mean, we could do every Genesis album
1: and literally do an hour just talking about the drums. No problem <laughs> at all. No problem.
0: Well, I want to talk about the guitar solo real quick here. It's at 444. So there's definitely an effect on that guitar, but it's, it's pretty oh, yeah. low in the mix too. Like I, I just mentioned confidence. I wish Mikey had a little more confidence and, you know, put that guitar solo forward. Tony has no issues putting his keyboard solos way up front in the mix, right? That, that's yeah. kind of where I want Mike on here too. Yeah. And it, that's actually a
1: multi through pretty much all of Genesis. Even from here on out, you don't get a ton of really sort of big ballsy up front, front house guitar and I think that's just a—it's just that's just an aesthetic uh, decision, right? It's like, okay, well, we're going to let the keys lead. We're going to let Phil's voice lead. We're not going to push this up, which is a shame because it's a great—I guess—a great tone, and it's different again. This is again where we're gonna, so we've got so we got Phil's voice is starting to change. Mike Rutherford's guitar tone is starting to change. He's—he's he's not trying to be Steve Hackett anymore. He's not trying to just kind of fill that space that Steve left open. Now he's finding his own tones and his own sort of his own style, and it comes through on this album. It's yeah, it's great.
0: Uh, thinking about mike's uh guitar uh what's a song that it's way up front i, I go with the way to we can't dance that might be the first song i could think of where you can really hear that dar, dar, like just a beefy mike yeah. guitar lead <laughs> like a, just a full-on rock and roll guitar riff yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like a tony iommi riff from genesis like what, what is enough. this yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right did you have any more uh from behind the lines
1: i got one five or six and it, we're talking about you asking me about symbols earlier and this is all about the symbols it's these right. huge hat lifts just listen to these hat lifts <laughs>
0: Great hat lifts, and I think there's another oh, song coming up in this side that had some pretty cool hat lifts too. It's all of it. And what I like about this too is, and we won't play the outro all the way through. And it's
1: it's difficult on streaming platforms to really hear this album, or certainly these first three songs, the way you have to listen to them, because it breaks, right? And you get that sort of discontinuation with the music. Because this the sort of the last 15 seconds of this song really lead into Duchess. Right. And they sort of bring in the rhythm from Dutch. is that sort of intro rhythm. And they, it's almost like a crossfade, but it's not quite right. So it's super cool.
0: And that's what I want to ask you when we're talking about uh, a suite. Because shouldn't there be some sort of like narrative connective thread that, that kind of leads everything together? I know uh, Phil said, you know, the, this suite is about a guy named Albert. And it's all about uh, a dude named Albert, right? But this song specifically is about, um, you know, uh, oh, how the hell would you put it? Uh, a pleading, you're, you're like begging a former lover, right? Yeah. 100% and then but then the next song is about like like a like a soul singer it, it, it like you changed narrator completely almost it doesn't seem to tie into this lyrically very well like mean, can you have two completely separate narratives in a suite I thought they're all supposed to kind of tie together like there's nothing about Albert in Duchess yeah it's so it's
1: it's a good question, and the answer—the short answer is yes, you can, because they already did this with Supper's Ready. Supper's Ready is disconnected. Okay. okay. You know, there, there's no real – its there's a very loose connection and a few callbacks where you get sort of, you know, in the, the beginning and the end is essentially the same. But, but no, I mean, just thematically you can do it. But I think you could, you know, if you wanted to sort of um, get creative with it, I think you could say that, you know, let, let's take Adele, for example, who had her heart broken, had love lost, had the book so tightly in her hands, got rejected – then every time that she performs, she wished that everyone would just cry for more and everything so you could you could sort of maybe jimmy that if you wanted to so
0: but but then maybe then she is is kind of your protagonist in the yeah. narrative isn't she yeah because then you move into the song of, you know about a soul singer and kind of her career and then that would make total sense yeah. but a, a narrative about a dude named albert i didn't get so i i was kind of Why? confused that i would expect a suite to kind of make narrative sense like i don't know i mean think the domino that doesn't really make narrative sense it's kind of all over the damn place right because so maybe there's this is just the thing maybe with genesis i think it's a difference though between a suite and a concept album right like tommy
1: and the wall that's a story from start to finish yeah. right with and the, and it's very deliberately written that way and in those cases usually it's one writer right so you've got pete Townsend wrote all the lyrics for basically every Who song but certainly for tommy and quadrophenia um roger waters wrote everything all the lyrics on the Wall. So it, you kind of have to do that if you're going to write a concept album, but a suite isn't really that, right? So, so
0: it's more musically tied together than it is lyrically. Yeah, generally. that's what I would okay. say. Yeah. Okay. 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 No, I just wanted to to make sure. Uh, I, I I want to play the the transition from uh, Behind the Lines to Duchess, but before we do that, we should maybe give her votes on uh, Behind the Lines. Uh, played 196 songs by itself in concert and another 96 along with uh, Duke's End uh, on the 2007. Uh, and and past, uh, I think, to 2021, they also played it uh, that yeah. way as well. Uh, yeah, 2021 and 2022, uh, Behind the Lines of Duke's End. So I gave it, uh, I really dug this track a lot. Actually, I gave it an eight for music. And again, really nothing wrong. Uh, eight for, for lyrics. I like the story told and four for production. Again, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to snip. And it's a great intro, but I, I think you, I'm an editor by trade. Uh, I just see opportunities <laughs> where you can just tighten that up a little bit and maybe make it flow uh, just a, a little bit cleaner, but eight, eight, and four, I thought was a great kickoff to Duke side. A what did you think, Mr. Brown? We're
1: really close. So I went nine with music. Cause again, this is just everything I love in Genesis and it's where they found the balance too. Cause you listen to, you can hear Mike's guitar now. And you can really hit the bass. Tony's backing off a little bit. He's still mm-hmm. adding a lot in, but he's not overwhelming everything else. And Phil's drums sound incredible. Right. Um, and again, it's just another track record. Just sit and listen to the isolated drums on this and have done very, very happily. Um, so at nine on music, seven on lyrics. I think, like I said, it's a lyrically, it's a good track about, like you said, lost love, but it's, you know, fairly straight down the line. There's nothing super inventive about it. And it's written in the book. That's the bad. I don't know why, but that line it's written in the book. It just, again, it's got that soul swagger that I think that that's maybe where Phil heard. I think I can do it in this style. I think I'm doing like a Motown style because it's that bit. I held the books so on tightly man, and then it's written in the book. I just think it's super cool. Uh, production 4.5, it's pretty much perfect for me. I don't really have much to say, but it sounds fantastic. It's pitched
0: perfectly. And again, I wrote down, even with a two-plus-minute intro, it never feels too long to me. So. And uh, post-divorce for Phil Collins kind of kind of fit uh, fit that theme as well, right? we got a few songs on this record that are going yeah. to tie, tie into that. So all right, let, let's play the last few seconds of Behind the Lines and the first little bit of track two, which is Duchess. First use of drum machine in a genesis song i believe
1: i think it's the f- yeah and, it, and i could have written that down too where you get a lot of um synth, per- uh, synth percussion which tony would really lean into on lots of songs further down the line right but mm-hmm. i think this is the first time in that specific that little i think it's like a synth conga you think about man on the corner from abacab as well that's all over that right and he, and mm-hmm. phil used that ton in his in his in his uh solo career too so i think Think yeah, I, don't, I didn't actually research. I don't know if it's the ex, the very first time, but certainly as prominent as this. So little
0: in the air tonight too, just that little that that, that conga sound, right? It's pretty oh, with
1: that reverb on there, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. Um, again, this intro very cool, very atmospheric. Goes on a little bit. Uh, I, the song really kind of starts at two twenty-two. So if you're cool, I was going to fast forward up to there, unless you had something else. I got a couple of things. I, we, I, it's going to be hard for me not to. Um,
1: tip my hand on this one but there's there's a few things I would like to talk about so okay. if you go to 118 Alrighty. there's a really neat little thing that Tony does here okay. so the rhythm's 4-4 four, four, but Tony's playing it's either 3-4 or some kind of weird time so he's, he's syncopating over top of that with that synth line which is just again i mean it's in a song like this you don't need to do that but it's always one of those things to me i was like and that's clever and it's a head fuck too when you try and play it it's like i just i can't i can't count while that's going on i can't count in three four while four four is going it's too hard or like i said or five six whatever the hell whatever goddamn timing banks is up to again and then if you go to 155 there's a great little piano line that leads up to the to the song proper all right So that's where he's gone. Now he's dropped back into matching the time signature, right? So again, it's those little things that I always look for in in arrangements. And this is probably a production thing, right? Where what can you add that is, is interesting? And those little things that you can do in a song are always just super interesting to me because anyone can do straight up Straight up rock and roll, four, four, four on the four is great. I love it. Gets you blood pumping, what have you. But things, if I'm actually sitting down and listening to music, it's stuff like that I'm waiting for.
0: Is it interesting enough uh, for for the average listener? For a musician, Uh, definitely, I totally get it. And I'm not even a musician, but I found that interesting. But uh, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of, like, my wife, who likes, you know, the pop song Genesis. If she's listening to this two minutes into the song, is she bored at this point? Or is she picking up on those little nuances? I mean, probably not. Or certainly not consciously. Mm -hmm. Again, there's
1: lots of stuff in music and in art generally where you don't know why you like something. You can't really articulate it. But it's something there is Tweaking your nipples, right? So there's something about it that you like. You just don't maybe have the vocabulary to explain what it is. So,
0: and there's that hat lift again that I, that I yeah. was talking about. But I want I I want more out of these drums. Like they they sound okay. so thin. They're they're so far back. Like I don't know. The the drums are really cool. I want to be able to hear them better. Okay, the tom specifically are you thinking or. Yeah. And uh, even the snare, like I did mention on one track, I I won't uh, tip my hand. There's one track where I said the snare sounds great because it sounded different than kind of the rest of the um. but even the hats, you know, uh, something like that should be a little more prominent, you know, to, to me, the, the, the drums drive the song, right. Uh, For a lot of Genesis right now, it's, you know, the keyboards drive the song, Uh, you know, give me a little more guitar, give me a little more bass, give me a little more drums, especially, and, and use Tony as an accent. What I like about it, then, and I'll, again, I'll just give you a devil's
1: advocate as so I've a an alternate opinion on that, but what I like about that is, in the way that they've recorded that is with the snare, they've got those snare rolls that Phil's doing, and then he comes in quite soft, and hes you can tell that it's not just they turn the volume down, he's not hitting the toms as hard, because they, when you really hit a tom, it rings, and when it, you can hear that, they're not doing that, he's not hitting them with full power, so... We'll get into maybe the lyrics and sort of the narrative of this this song. I think it fits for a specific reason. So I think maybe I'll hold that back a little bit till the end, maybe. But okay. I, just, just to say that I don't, dis, I don't necessarily dislike... I can hear what you're saying, but I don't necessarily dislike it myself, so... Okay. So you've got his lead, his double tracked, right? So he's singing that high lead line double tracked, singing it twice. But you can hear that also. You've got a bass line going in there. So he's an octave down, and he's singing. It's very, it's almost a like, oh, no, every time. So he's almost like mumbling it, and it's that just that thing that gives you that weird, otherworldly texture where it makes it bigger than it really is. It's it's just a very cool trick, and it's not like it's not, you know, lots of people have done it, but it just works here.
0: And again, the the, the little drum roll there, like it very thin, very low, very. Like you think he's trying to go for like a Motown sound? I don't remember there being a lot of prominent drums on Motown songs and he's singing about a soul singer. Is he trying to follow a theme here? No, like I said, I think there's a specific reason for it because I know that
1: I know that soul singer is the generally accepted angle, but I've always had a different one. And then again, that's just a me thing, I think. So we'll get yeah. to that when we talk about the the lyrics, maybe.
0: I like the bridge and, and you really hear the hats on that one. Like, a yeah. great hat lift on that. Right. So I, I just wanted to shout out Phil again for being an above average drummer. And, and it drops out too, right? That bridge really drops the tempo
1: back down and it takes out a lot of the, the biggest sort of elements of the song. And it's just, just the vocal and the drums are very clear and you get that, that, Piano bit in the back. It's just again, it's it's
0: masterclass in arranging a song to me. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, did you have another one? Because my next one is just how it uh, blends in the guide vocal. So okay, well, we'll do that one to the end. But there's if you go four forty four.
1: So the the last verse in this song, we haven't talked much about the, the lyrics in this one yet, um, but it's a three act play, right? So you've got this singer who is trying to build a career and she, she just wishes that when she opened her mouth everyone would sort of listen. And then she sort of, you know, in the, in the second act she gets some measure of notoriety or, or fame. And then in the third act, it's gone and it's this sort of old singer now looking back on a career and sort of wishing that she could harken back to glory days. And there's a line that he sings here when he sings, um, when nobody called for more. It's the way he pronounces nobody. It's re- he just leans into it so hard. So, Yeah.
0: It's almost mournful, right? When no, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's that sort
1: of just, it's like, oh, fuck, I used to be somebody and now I'm nobody. Yeah. You know, it, was like, it was the fat
0: guy from Motley Crue. I can't remember his name. So. Which one? There's a few. Vince Neil? <laughs> Vince Neil, that's the fella. <laughs> you, you just described like three of them. So, uh, <laughs> But um, Phil Collins knows how to tell a story uh, in a song, right? Absolutely. And absolutely fabulous on this. Uh, this is one that was credited to all three, wasn't it? But, uh, you, you could tell that whenever Tony tells a story, I don't understand what he's singing about. Whenever <laughs> Phil does, I get it. And and he, he helps tell the story with his vocal. And I, I thought I, I circled that nobody uh, on my notes here. Cause I'm like, we got to talk about that. Cause that was so great how he did that. I don't know who wrote the. Did you find who wrote the lyrics for this one? Corey? No, I couldn't find who actually wrote the lyrics. It's, it's just, it's, uh, listed to all three. Uh, I'm assuming because it makes sense that it's uh, Phil, maybe Mike helping him out with no Tony. Yeah,
1: I just don't know. Maybe we'll dig into that a little bit and we can sort of clear it up on the next episode if we find out. Sure, that'd
0: be great. All right, did you have other uh, time to go to? I don't. Okay, so I'm going to shuttle ahead then just a little bit so we can get the uh, transition from Duchess into guide vocal, but Duchess performed 186 times. Man, I thought it should have been a lot more, actually. Uh, I'm giving it an eight for music. Band was great again. Eight and a half for lyrics. Really dug the story. Thought it was well-written, well-told. And another solid four for production again 626 is maybe a little long you can trim a little bit off the head get that thing around the five minute mark and it's going to flow just that much better there's a couple <laughs> moments where as a musician you might be really impressed by it as a as an audience member listening to it i think you're going to be a little bit bored so you kind of have to it depends on you know who you're putting this song out for right we're doing it for kevin brown he's going to say longer i want more 12 minutes make it make it as long as you can <laughs> whereas it's it, it's the same argument I have with movies right now movies are getting way too long they're two forty they're three hours trim those things down they play they play just <laughs> as tight when you get them down to that two hour mark so but um eight eight and a half and four I really dug Duchess what did you think I um, ten ten and five dude
1: it's a yeah. it's, it's my a perfect f- song it's a top it's a top 15 Genesis song for me I fucking love this track and it's one of those that I've loved since you know those songs that grab you some of they take a little bit of a time to grow on you but some songs you don't just like you fucking love from the very first minute you hear it. This is one of those songs. As soon as I heard this, I was like, this is just, I don't know why it connects with me. I understand what this song is. It's beautiful. I love the long intro. I love the unnecessarily long intro. I agree it isn't necessarily long, but I think it's so cool how it builds. And so I was going to talk to you about, like I said, about with the lyrics, the sort of the common wisdom is that this is, you know, a soul singer and it's, it's that kind of maybe the twenties or thirties or something. But mm-hmm. to me, it's always, I, I've always got like a Victorian age sense to it. And I can really imagine in that build in the early bits, I can imagine her in a like just backstage in some shitty theater with the mirror, with the light bulbs are flickering. the few of them are missing and she's putting on makeup and getting her hair done. And she's just kind of this, she's on her own and she's trying to make a name for herself. And then so when it sort of builds up and as she walks up the stairs, you get that drum fill, that soft drum fill. And that's where I think it's not as big and bombastic because she's not there yet. She's not really come out. She's not sort of exploded yet. She's still trying to get there. So that step up the stairs with the drum fill to me has always been sort of that 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 slow build. And I've always liked that about it. So so that's, and again, that's just all in my brain, right? That, that's, that's the beauty of music is we it paints in just enough of a picture that we can fill in all the blanks
0: and color it in. And that's how I've always colored this song in. Well, I, I really love your theory. Uh, that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh it doesn't necessarily have to be a Victorian though. If you're if you're you know 1940s and she's like performing at a speakeasy, uh it's the same thing. You're looking in the same mirror, you're doing the same walk, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think almost for any era of music except for nowadays, uh that would fit awfully well. Yeah. All right. Let's go into a song called Guide Vocal now. Uh we'll listen to the last few seconds of Duchess and uh, check this uh this short little number out. It's a Tony Banks song. Oh my god. Ha, 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 ha. Well, the piano works great
1: with the vocal. And that bass too, hey, because I've written down with this, and you know, we'll, we'll get into this, it's quite bass heavy, this song, because you've got Mike playing the bass, but you do also have Tony Banks playing bass notes on his uh, you know, low register notes on the piano, but Phil's vocal just cuts through that so beautifully, right? You've got that, he brings that high register in. It, it, uh, it's very, very tasteful.
0: And again, uh, guide vocal was supposed to be part of that suite, right? Yeah, it is. So was yeah. It, it was supposed to go behind the lines, Duchess, then guide vocal. Yeah. So again, lyrically, how does this tie? Like, like, does it even tie to either of the two? To me, it does, yeah. So this is, to me, this has always been the Duchess's, it's either her muse or her
1: her doubt, like that, that, that little voice in the back of her mind saying, either you can or you can't do this, right? So I'm the one who guided you this far, nobody must know my name, you know, for nobody would understand, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's that sort of, it's that thing that artists and creative types have that you can't really explain where it comes from, but it's the thing that either nudges you or says this is shit, which we all have as creative people. Right.
0: Yeah. So, so lyrically I'm with you that this, this whole thing makes more sense from the, if the protagonist is the soul sicker, uh, Duchess duchess yeah. for nobody would understand when you kill what you fear, uh, I said, you wouldn't understand take what yours and be damn like all that kind of fits that same motif. But yeah, Genesis is telling me it's about a dude named Albert. And I don't know how, <laughs> and 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 that confuses me how they just followed that, that, you know, have a, a four or five song suite about the Duchess and tie these songs together. Don't change a single lyric and it works perfectly,
1: but it's why, you know, Dylan always said that I don't want to explain to you what my lyrics mean, because I want you to I want them to mean whatever they mean to you, because that's mm-hmm. really what art and music is about is how it impacts you. And so what you should do, Corey, is stop reading about what the songs mean,
0: <laughs> especially well, with Tony Banks. <laughs> if a song's going to tell me a story, I'd like to make sense of the story. You know, like uh, there's like a song like Tweeter and the monkey man. He's very specifically telling us a story. That's prescriptive, yeah. It's it's about yeah. a
1: dude. Well, we don't know if it's a dude actually, because there's a couple of lines in there that muddy the waters in New Jersey, and it's yeah.
0: yeah. All we know is that they were hard up for cash.
2: And, and all the the night goes
0: selling cocaine and hash. That's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, guide vocals very short. Did you have another time you wanted to jump to here? There's one little bit at one sixteen that I want to talk about because again, it's
1: it, it's it's that little bit in a song, even as simple as this, where you can throw just a little something something in for the uh, the heart of uh, the heart of thinking, like okay. us. I don't know if you noticed it, the piano comes off tempo. The whole thing comes off tempo, actually, and they go away from it completely. And so that's why I think you probably would only ever do this here in a song because it would be so hard to pick it back up again. But again, it's just that weird little stutter step thing that they do. And it's led by Tony's piano. And again, it's just something that I think is just a neat little touch. What did you
0: think of Phil's delivery of the word uh, and be damned? It's great, man. This, this whole album, Phil's vocals, it's just money. There, there's just some raw emotion on on that word yeah. that, that, that kind of lends it a little extra gravitas that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, anything else? Uh, we're 10 seconds away from finishing the song. It's a nice quick one. Minute 35 from Tony Banks. Can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's everything. Up. All right, let's get right into the voting. Then uh, I, I didn't mind guide Volk at all. I thought it was good. Um, it didn't really wow me uh, in any aspect. That yeah. little bit of fill at the end there uh, with the way he delivered Damned. I thought it was really cool. But musically, I gave a seven and a half. Uh, nothing wrong with it musically. Lyrically, a seven. Again, uh, for a Tony Banks song, it's not as pretentious as others. But they're, they're, <laughs> just like a, they're just like a hint of pretentiousness. Soup to it. song. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for a production, uh, I gave it a three. I don't know if um, if this is the case, or maybe a minute 35 wasn't quite enough. If they need a little bit more uh, okay. you know, for, for the story and everything to kind of breathe. But then this is supposed to lead into uh, where would this have led into Turn it on uh again. Duke's travels or oh, turn, turn it on again turn it on again okay but, yeah, so that would have been really song, interesting
1: yeah when we get to that song next week even that song isn't in the original form that it was supposed to be right so, they, they just had a little about.
0: snippet of that right that they were going to yeah. use for the suite and then they realized this is actually a pretty fucking killer song yeah let's let's pat it out and make it a single 100 percent. Oh, yeah th- thank god they did uh what were your votes on a uh, guide vocal yeah,
1: so this is just a bridging song. It's not a, it's not, I mean, you would never listen to this on its own. It's not going to be on any one of your playlists, but it, you can't really listen to Duchess and then not listen to this at the end. Right? It's like they're basically the same. You've, you've got to play them together. I just went six, six, and 3.5 because there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a, it's just a good album track it's a good stitcher right in the middle yep. of a in the middle of a suite so that's where I a little
0: was connecting going. thread again if you're ter- if you're telling a story narratively either you're doing it just with music or you're doing it narratively with lyrics yep. you need that kind of connective tissue and and this is a good way to do that and musically i thought it worked really well because that leads us into our next track called man of our times So I love the juxtaposition of the nice, quiet piano song. And then we come into that. And now we're getting the drums a little more prominently too. Yeah. I wanted to ask you too, because you do another podcast,
1: Corey, one of the many podcasts you do in the Corey Corey Morissette podcast universe um, called Backtracks uh, Theme Music. This has always felt to me like kind of like a John Hughes kind of, you could see the heroine walking away in the rain with tear streaming on her face with this going in the background. Because it has got that weird
0: 80s Atmos thing going on, right? So. Yeah, it does. Production-wise, it, it needs a little more 80s gloss. Uh, you know, maybe that'd be like an electric drum kit that that uh, Phil's playing on or something <laughs> just to give it that kind of 80s feel. But yeah, I, I could see like Ally Sheedy uh, running away from Judd Nelson uh, crying <laughs> in the rain. That would totally fit, yeah. But it's an odd riff too, hey? Yeah. Because like the- it never resolves back down to the root notes, which is it's
1: when you do that, you're, you're deliberately sort of making a choice to leave people feeling uncomfortable. Because you're going to resolve it later on when you get into the chorus, but like it's it's an it's almost an uncomfortable riff. You're like, I
0: don't know, I'm not too sure about this. It just it really is. it, get, I, I, it I, I get I to like where the, I wanted to go. Yeah, the the verses, uh, I wasn't really a fan of, and I couldn't really okay. pinpoint it. But yeah, it's that uh, that 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 feeling. It kind of leaves you. Yeah, I wasn't big on it. Uh, my my next time coder is only about nine seconds away. If you don't mind me playing it, ever. Yeah, Little foreshadowing for 1986. (laughs) I'd written exactly the same thing, (laughs) (laughs) except he does four tonight's uh, in this refrain. There's two more if you listen.
2: There's
0: uh, just one too many tonight's. But no, it's two pairs of two.
1: It is two tonight's. It is is. So what we need to do, Corey, is we need to go back and listen to the the earlier albums to find out whether there's a song with just one tonight. (laughs) Because maybe this is maybe the whole catalog is one suite.
0: Wouldn't that be a pisser, eh? You find out afterwards, like from song one, from Genesis to Revelations, all the way through to calling all stations. It was all one suite. It was all Albert. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Who up. The fuck Albert. Albert. <laughs> he's, th- he's not in any of these songs. Come on. <laughs> Man is he buried in that mix, like you could hardly hear him, yeah it's well, and I'm
1: listening on Zoom folks right, so we we kind of record this remotely because we're what opposite ends of the well, not quite opposite ends, but
0: different we're three and a half hours away yeah we're three and and a half hours away
1: um so I don't know it, when I listened to it, I didn't make a note of it being particularly buried. I did make a note that that, that those toms coming in sound phenomenal, mm-hmm. they're tuned beautifully, and this is what I was saying about on Duchess when you listen to that film on Duchess, what you don't get is the it's not echo exactly, but when you you know obviously you play drums when you hit a tom, it sh- it reverberates for it's not as long as a cymbal obviously, but it reverberates for a while and you get a mm-hmm. real tone to it. We don't get them Dutch, you get it here because he's yeah. fucking learning into them here and they sound great. They're big. Like those are you know he's got floor toms and probably some huge rack toms. They're like Roger Taylor's shit. So they just I think this thing sounds great that that little section. I mean come yeah, man, really that do. that man of our times when he comes in with that. Again, it's that. Whoa! What? Can you imagine Banks and Rutherford? Like,
0: dude, what the? F- why have you been holding this out on us, you dick? We could have been using this for two albums. Put them out front in the mix. Don't put them <laughs> way, way back. It sounded so great. That's such a great line delivery, too. Mm-hmm. That should be the main thing I'm hearing, and, and I'm not. And, and it kind of pisses me off. One note I put here, I want to see if Kevin would agree. Uh, this song seems like a hell of a lot of fun to play on the drums. Oh, gotcha. I mean, <laughs> it, well, again, again, you know. It,
1: the, Phil Collins is fun to play up to the point where you can't play his stuff anymore because he's too good. Yeah. Right. And this one, yeah, this one's, you know what? I can play the notes. It's another one of those that I can play the notes. I can't play like Phil Collins does. I can't find his his exact just pushing the beat or just sitting. It's like, he fucking prick. And you listen to him live. It's like he does it there too. So it's not accidental. I go fuck yourself. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> So we talked, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, Corey, about transitions and Genesis on, um, and then there were three, there were a couple of songs where both of us felt that the transitions just weren't managed that well. Mm -hmm. I think that one's great. And all through this album again, and especially this song, the sections are very distinct, but the
0: transitions are just seamless. They're just beautiful. Oh, and, and then there were three it just seems kind of so dyslexic to me in so many ways, especially in its use of transitions, whereas here, that's all gone. This is a band that's playing confidently, singing confidently, writing confidently. Yeah. Uh, this is the genesis I come to love uh, in 1983, 1986, and I'd never really heard Duke uh, in its entirety yeah. before. I've just heard a couple of songs here and there, so uh, it was a nice big surprise for me. Um, my next time is uh, all the way to 316. Do you have one before then? Exact same one. Oh, nice. <laughs> that harmony is so great. I wish I could hear oh, it. Man. <laughs> Take <laughs> you that slider and just bring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One thing we talk, cause I'm a big craft beer nerd, Corey, as I think, you know, mm-hmm. drinking a very good beer tonight. Actually it's a Nokomis brown ale from, sorry, oh. Nokomis is the way it's pronounced. Is it? Um, I
0: always wondered if it was Nokomis. Right okay. I
1: found this out cause I, I, my Randy is um, Métis, matey uh, and he did a, a shoot for an Aboriginal group who were in Nikomis. Anyway, so they do a great brown ale. Now what you look for in a craft beer is balance. So, you know, you hear this all the time, oh, it's too hoppy, or it's this, or it's too that. If you've got a really good balance of hops, malt, and flavors from the yeast, that's what you're looking for. I want balance in my music too. And the balance in this song, it's chef's kiss, man. Like everything is exactly where it needs to be. The, like I said, the bass, the guitars, the vocals. Okay, they could be a little bit further up, but it's still soaring. The drums sound great. I don't know, this This just sounds really well
0: well, well produced, like well done. You know what? I'll I'll give you three of those points, Uh, but uh, the vocals, I think they're the star of the song, put them up front. (laughs) And it's going to reflect actually my score for, uh, uh, for production because it's not very high just for that reason, but everything else in this song is kind of chef's kiss. And also, I don't know if you ever heard me say this before, but it's too long. 536. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) The, The song could have ended at 426 is the note I had here. Do you have anything before then? So I'm going to literally read out the note that I've made. Okay, I said, and
1: this is directly. I'm going to say this to you. If you say that you could live with this one being a little shorter, yeah, I can see this one stopping after the second chorus at 4:22 at the false stop is exactly what I've written <laughs> at
0: the false stop, 100. Yeah. <laughs> let's see if the audience agrees. Let's let's go to that moment here and out and scene. <laughs> Fuck! (laughs) not that it's bad but yeah i don't know it's for me it's too long and again i but i do
1: i do love the outro with that last sort of belt back into the chorus because i could listen to phil sing man of our times the way he sings that just on repeat it's so good never played played, but also weird to have a fade out on this because you think that maybe this was another one that was longer, maybe it's even longer still. Because it is a Tony Banks song, right?
0: Yes. No, oh, it's Mike let me, Rutherford. Let me sorry. Check that. Yeah, it's, it's Mike, Mike Rutherford, Rutherford. Yeah. It's Mike
1: Rutherford song. So it could have been longer. And I wonder how maybe they just it was one of those ways ah, fuck we I have no idea what to do with this. Unless you're gonna put it into a, a a suite on the second side, maybe if you're yeah. taking that out and put it in with something else. I don't know. But uh, the yeah, only thing I can know. think
0: of is uh, if you're doing a fade out into misunderstanding, I, I think that works kind of well. If you maybe did the hard stop in the misunderstanding, it's maybe a little jarring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. All right. Uh, well, uh, Madamour Times, did you have any more on this one, Kev? Nope. All right. Well, musically, uh, I gave it a, a six, uh, which is not a, a bad score um six and a half for lyrics i thought lyrics were kind of cool and a two on production just because i want more phil put him up front he's so good on this track (laughs) so so damn good the mix on this really kind of ticked me off but i was six six and a half in two how about you I went seven. I love that really
1: rumbly low end from Mike on the bass. Like the bass on this is just nasty. Um, there's not much guitar. And that kind of where I, no. I docked a couple of points. And I said like the balance is good. So where the guitars are, they're good, there's not enough. I think this song could have actually used a bit more guitar. Um, I said like the, the transitions and the sections in it. If I had a criticism of this song, it's fairly routine for Genesis. It's a It's a good, it's definitely an album track. It's a good average to good album track. So I went seven on music, six on lyrics, and production, I said three, because you could definitely use more guitar. And like I said, I, if you're going to if you're gonna argue that they should have stopped at 422, I'm not going to mount a massive shitstorm, hissy fit about that, right? Um, lyrically, they're very abstract, these ones. The super, you know, Man of Our Times is a great line and the way Phil sings, it's fantastic. So the only thing I could, when I was trying to think of, okay, well, what is this song about? I thought maybe it's about, you know, the Man of Our Times is this sort of an icon who's sort of embodies the the zeitgeist or the, the culture the, the, as it is right now. Um, you know, and being part of the culture as much as an individual. But like you said, if you're going to sort of... Well, and it wasn't part of the suite. Um, but I think, you know, I don't know. It's a cool lyric and it works rhythmically. So it's not like Headlong where the lyrics just fucking suck. It, it works in the true. form of the song.
0: In a song I like, the, the lyrics are terrible. <laughs> but uh, it, it's weird this is a Mike Rutherford song because I would expect kind of lyrics like this from Tony. And yeah. it, you know they, they don't have to make sense if they sound cool. But yeah. Nylon sheets and blankets help to minimize the cold or whatever it is. Like, that sounds cool, right? Uh, this doesn't sound as cool. I think that's why I gave it a six and a half on mine. Yeah. So yeah seven, six, and three for me. All right. Not bad at all. So that leads us to uh, one of the big singles off of uh, Duke. Uh this is misunderstanding So that's the balance I like in Genesis, right? I got drums, I got bass, and Tony's playing an accent. And like he's not the star of the show, but he's helping drive the train. And that's when he's working best for me. So I, I love the beginning of misunderstanding. Musically, this is great stuff.
1: So um, when we release these podcast, Corey, I'm gonna have to put out um, hashtag apologies to Tony, aren't I? Because you know it's <laughs> kind of No, on You like don't the, have to because I
0: don't apologize. Fuck that guy.
1: <laughs> I did I find it interesting that Phil was talking about this song and he said that. He'd been listening to sort of. He thought it was a good sort of stompy rock and roll song, which obviously it's not gonna rock and roll aesthetic, but that boom, boom, blah. But he, he talked about Rocky Mountain Way, and when you listen, it's like, oh yeah, that's totally what he's fucking ripping off there. It's a hundred percent
0: that beat. Oh, and I was surprised to hear Tony say uh, twice to it was a Beach Boy song, and it's like I, I wasn't getting Beach Boy so much as I was like Toto. This sounded like Toto to me yes. when I first heard it, right? So yeah, definitely. well Let's check out some of the lyrics here. I just love that. And you were really, That's such that's a great, a great yeah,
2: it's a
1: great one. <laughs> melodically is beautiful. And it's yeah. cool too, that you start with the chorus, right? It's always fun when you, you do something with well, production wise, you do something. Well, fuck it. We'll start with the B section instead of the A section
0: uh lyrically uh this is a song i really dug uh, it's a phil song i usually uh, tend to like phil lyrics uh, uh one of the notes i made is that this is the three's company theme song because every episode of three's company had some sort of misunderstanding that drove the plot of that episode <laughs> so when he's like you know looking for his woman and he pulls up to the guy's house and she just left or something like you know it's that kind of misunderstanding that that really drove that that 80s sitcom that i love so much and three's company is an,
1: an, an american sitcom am i right Corey? okay see for any english listeners i don't know what he's talking about oh you i'm aware of the name out. of the show john but...
0: ritter no it's about a guy who has to pose as gay so he could roommate with two girls because no, the uh... landlords are prudes well you can't live with two women if you're straight but if you're a little little fruity that's okay so i, it I wouldn't sent... really fly in today's okay, I uh, say, economy I, I, I sense pitfalls <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very problematic nowadays but every yeah. single episode had some sort of misunderstanding and it was, I always associated that that show with this song. Well, maybe m- m- Phil's over in uh, Vancouver with oh, his right. wife. Maybe maybe he picks up Three's Company. Maybe so. You know that was the inspiration behind this song. Oh, man. Let, Look, let's it, say that. we we'll, we'll that's in camp. That's the canon now, guys. There you go. I, you know, even though I'm pretty sure Three's Company came after. Uh, Shit. Uh, Duke. <laughs> All right. Did you have a time to shuttle forward here too? Um, one minute.
1: Okay. So again, it's it it's the first change, right? So with, this song's very simple. Um there's not too much going on, so this is the first change up.
2: Yeah. It's a
1: great little bass line. Mike's playing there. And I don't think I actually noticed that on my playthrough because I was focusing on other things and we'll get to the other things I was focusing on. But
0: wonderful little bass line that Mikey's playing. Absolutely fantastic. Yep, yeah. Can't complain there. Uh, 248 is my next time. Did you have some before then? Um 232. But I think we can lead
1: into then 248. So sounds good. But that shows you folks. Okay, so this song is what three three ten or something? Yep. And we're only st- you know, we're stopping it. So, and we'll talk about this a little bit. Maybe once we start dissecting and doing our necropsy, but uh, autopsy, I should say. I'm a wildlife guy. Necropsy, so. <laughs> Great guitar, man. That's a great guitar playing. And it's, it's that thing where you're matching the you're playing the riff, but you're also doing those little things. Like it's, it's the thing that Slash did so fucking well in Guns N' Roses, right? Like, the riffs in Guns N' Roses are great, but without Slash's little things that he does in between the notes, those songs don't land quite the same. And this is one of the same things. I think this song would definitely be a lot flatter if you
0: didn't have Mike Rutherford doing the little color thing, the color commentary at the end. The drums sounded great in there too. Oh. Uh, just little Tom hits he put in there. And then I love that change up on the vocal where he goes false. out. there must be some, must be. And then he goes back into his normal voice for misunderstanding. Like yeah, just a, a nice little, tra- neat little transition, a song that doesn't change it up too, too much. Like you said, it's fairly straightforward. There's a couple of change ups here and there, but uh, that one I thought was really appreciated. Did you have any more on misunderstanding? I didn't. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to give this for music. A seven and a half, and I can't really tell you why. I can I compare this one to follow you, follow me. And okay. I just you know what I preferred that one a little bit more. Nothing wrong with misunderstanding at all. I really like this song. I gave it a seven and a half for, for music just because I don't know melodically, I just maybe preferred follow you, follow me to this one, but still very good. Uh eight for lyrics uh phil is telling a great story here some fantastic lines and a production four and a half i thought the mix on this was fantastic uh i almost gave it a five i haven't given anything a perfect score yet but th- this was very close to a five uh, okay. it's mixed incredibly well so seven and a half eight and four and a half for me on this one how about you mr brown well um one thing i'd say overall is that and i made this
1: note and the tempo of this song is crucial if you play this 10 BPM faster or slower, I think this song's a fucking train wreck. But to get that dead right, and that's it's funny because that sometimes can be really, really important. Um, I went, okay, so this I've disagreed with you on this one. I've gone five, six, and three. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. So Mike's playing the share of that bass line, but it's the only interesting part of the track for me. Now, again, you know, like you said, the average listener, the radio listener, especially in the US, where this was the only single that was released in the US, um... It's definitely built for radio over there, right? It's an easy three-minute accessible pop song. Um, The lyrics are pretty obvious. Like you said, it's a jilted lover waiting for his partner to show up, so it's an obvious link back to his marriage issues. But to me, I don't know what it is. And again, this is the subjectivity of music. There must be some misunderstanding. It's just always annoyed me. I just don't like that line for some reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, it's a bit spiky or if it's the cadence of it, but there's something that's just like... Just grace on me a little bit. Um, it's a good
0: word. Because,
1: yeah, must be yeah, must Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just It just it just doesn't sit with me. And then production-wise, I'm docking points, which I don't know. We haven't talked about this yet. The sequencing of this one, I really don't like because it just it takes you out of side one completely. You get behind the lines, Duchess, guide vocal is one thing. And, you know, the next one should have been turn it on again. But Man of Our Times still feels kind of the same kind of thing yeah. then the next song works in that in that regard too this one just takes you out of it completely you've got this weird pop song in the middle of this potential sort of sweet or i don't know man it, it, that sort of just throws me off so it's five six and three for me it's not a bad song but just for me for genesis it's a bit yeah i don't really much care about it maybe it could have been a non, non-album single yeah, yeah i don't know
0: and uh, yeah for me it wasn't my favorite but I I dig it well enough and I couldn't find too many no. knocks on it. But the way you, you're coming on sequencing, I thought was really, really good. Cause yeah, like five tracks on this side seem to fit together uh, in a motif. Even mm-hmm. if they don't fit together lyrically, they do musically. And Yeah. This one, it's a Phil Collins solo song. Yeah. So and I mean, where, where do you put it on this album is the question now, because we have side two or side B, which I haven't really dug too much into yet. We're not going to record that one tonight. Yeah. Is there a spot for this one here? I don't know. I think it would fit
1: better on side two, um, but I'd have been all right with this one being on face value because, you know, again, the, the debate about whether Phil actually sort of brought in the air tonight because here's, here's another reason why I think that he didn't because if your choice is between misunderstanding and in the air tonight, you're only picking one song and it's not this one.
0: If you're Tony right. Banks, which one are you picking? Because he, he, he thought this is a Beach Boys song and I don't hear the Beach Boys at all. Well, and I don't listen to Beast Boys that much either, Corey. Okay. i got to be honest with you. Like, Pet Sounds,
1: kind of passed me by. I'm still trying to figure out why that song is so beloved, but, or that album is so beloved, but I know it is. It's probably a me thing. But you think about it in the air tonight, it's, atmospherically,
0: Genesis could have definitely done that on this album. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That would have been a great side B opener. Yeah. In the air Absolutely. tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, you just have the five songs on side A, get rid of Misunderstanding, and then uh, kick off side B with that, and then if you to turn it on again. Or even if you leave Turn It On Again where it was originally supposed to be, yes, yeah. then you've got a side to
1: opener Because I think, honestly, and we'll talk about that next week, I think Turn It On Again is opening side two because it there's nothing else you would open side two with. Okay. Right?
0: You know what I mean? Like but Turn It so On Again is a great is... opener for anything. Oh, uh, like, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it of should of have course. opened every single Genesis show from 1980 <laughs> on. It's that of course. good. But, of course. All right. Let's get to our final track on side A. Uh, how do you pronounce this? Heath A's? Heat haze. Heat haze. Thank heat. Heat haze. If you think about heat it as two haze. separate words, okay. it's heat haze, yeah. Uh, pretentious bullshit is what it sounds like <laughs> to me. <laughs> All right, I gave you your bloody pop song. Now let me tootle on my <laughs> piano for four <laughs> fucking minutes. <laughs> Not a fun, eh? We should know. It's okay. the The main comment they had on this track was dull. It, it felt like filler.
1: Okay, yeah, well, that, that's fine. I mean, we should we should say to dear listeners, if you've been with us from the beginning, Corey just broke out his Tony Banks voice. And anytime Corey breaks <laughs> the, out the Tony Banks voice, I
0: know he's in for a shake. kick. So, well, <laughs> and, and, and you can tell that I'm not drunk because I usually go deep into the Tony Banks voice. That was just a little bit of it. I'm drinking Gatorade tonight, so. Uh, but when I got a, when I'm a few whiskey deep, man, I, I go into that Tony Banks voice hard.
2: Silent as a day can be Far off sounds of others On their chosen run
0: so th- there's a typical Tony Banks refrain, right? Silent as a day can be far off sounds of others on their chosen run. Doesn't rhyme at all. Uh, I don't think any of it should, <laughs> as any, follows any sort of iambic pentameter or rhyming scheme at all. It's just the stuff that comes to him when he's taking a shit is how I picture it. Uh, as they do all these things, they feel giving life some meaning, even if they're dull, like fucking Tony Banks lyrics. Oh, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get the definitely when we start talking about the, uh, the ratings, but oh my God, you make me laugh. Nikki Six on the toilet is writing, Ragtop Jimmy, he's a secondhand hood, deals in Hollywood. Got a 65 Chevy primed in flames, treated for some powdered goods. Rhymes, makes sense, tells a story, I dig it. Yeah, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of Dr. Feelgood either, my goodness. Not a fan of Motley Crue. Look, dude, we're going to get... That's, what I'm, get to... that's yeah, we... what I'm picking. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm picking. I
1: mean, when we get into, we talked about this too, which maybe we'll take a very quick pause on the Genesis stuff. One of the things we talked about was, you know, um, we're going to do the catalog thing and we're already breaking the format really, because we're taking a part of a catalog here. Yeah, And so it's the ultimate part of a catalog clash. One of the other things we talked about was, you know, let's, let's just do a a theme. Let's pick hair metal. What are the five, six best hair metal albums of the eighties? Let's do those, you know, and, if we have to do fucking Motley Crue at that point, then I'll I'll grit my teeth and bear down and
0: just and get through it, you know. I don't think I put that in my top five or six uh, hair metal albums, though. Like excellent, it's, excellent it, news. And like I I don't mind Motley Crue. Seen them a few times, and that's their best album. But I don't even know if i put that top twenty. Excellent. I, I mean, this is just excellent. <laughs> we just this night keeps getting better. <laughs> All right. Did you have another time you wanted to
1: uh, skip to here? Yeah, go to one twenty three because and then listen here for the what tony's doing you know and again it's a tony song and i know you i know you don't like it so listen listen to the keyboard here it's cool all
0: right i got zamphir pan flute vibes and not in a good way well i was guessing i don't know how to pronounce the word is it calliupi calliupi You know, the
1: the wind-powered thing at the fair. That's what what that sounds like to me. I think that's what he's mimicking. And I I wonder, I'm not too sure what he's playing there. I think it might be a Mellotron, I think, but I don't know for sure. Um, But I've always liked that bit. I think it sort of takes the song in a weird direction, which because it's in Congress with everything else that's going on.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And again, it's that bit, like I said, this song is quite repetitive, but that breaks it up just a wee bit for me.
0: Uh, the standout to me on this track is the bass and you hear a little bit of it in that section oh, we just man. heard Mike Rutherford's bass I thought was fantastic um, my next time is three minutes and the comment is fuck off Tony you have anything <laughs> before three minutes I really want to hear this now I really what want to hear that that's a
1: good I mean how can I not want to hear that after you told me what your you know what your note was <laughs>
0: It's like a musical wet fart. It's like you're 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 oh. trying to hold it in. You know you gotta let something go. And and this is what plops out. And you're in the middle of like a business pitch or something. It's it's oh my lord. I don't know,
1: folks. On this latest episode of uh, backtrack's theme music, Corey just they slammed
0: 25 or 64. So I don't know, I don't know which guy's it. judgment. You know what? Ed, when the horns weren't playing, love twenty-five or sixty-four. <laughs> love Peter Cetera. Uh, you know, the guitars on that song are really, really fucking good. But whenever the horns get blared in your head, it it's, it gives me a headache. And and, t- and Tony Banks here gives me a little bit of a gut ache.
2: Yeah, yeah so it's That's fair, man. I mean, you, know,
0: <laughs> you just don't love the Tony. It's all good. We 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 have established a pattern. It's all right. We're good. I I love certain Tony, but uh, going this deep back into the catalog is making me uh thankful that we didn't cover the Peter Gabriel era. <laughs> well, How about you? Uh, where do you want to go to here? Start it right here, because there's a good
1: build here into the last part of the song, and then we'll get into later on, I think. We'll stop it for just one of the
0: best bass licks in the entire catalog. There, there's some great drumming coming out, too, and this is the song, actually, I I, I put in the this, this snare sound. It was really, really prominent, really, really cool. So now are, are we singing from the a fish perspective? Beware the fisherman who's casting out his line into a dried up riverbed. Who does that? What kind of idiot fisherman is this? <laughs> hey, well, Throw some no. bread to the ducks instead. At least that rhymes. So uh, lyrically, I've always sort of interpreted this as a
1: very sort of, it's a gloomier take on the, the lazy British summer um, than like where Waterloo Sunset was a much more upbeat and positive take on that. Oh, this is that is... a good song?
0: That's such a good song. Oh, mate. Well, can, best can we listen song to that? <laughs> can we listen to that
1: (laughs) well we folks i've already told Corey, first second or third pick when i get it is definitely gonna be the kings so their whole catalog though man we'll be no 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 we're just gonna do 70s we're doing (laughs) uh, sorry 60s 60s i think up to 70 but because yeah no it's too big it's way too big we'll be doing it for like two years
0: I really like the the twenty second outro too. I think it kind of fits this this side of the album and this song as well. Yeah. So I had a question for you, and I this is a band that I was
1: I was thinking about throwing at you sometime, but I'm given given the the episodes we've done so far, I'm not sure now because I just think it might torture you a little bit. Have you ever heard of a band called Marillion? No, never heard of them. Okay, so if you look behind me, Corey, you can see them yeah. all. I've got pictures. This this is the band Marillion. So Marillion kind of got a little bit of shit for being a bit of a Genesis ripoff. So they were a prog rock band. And when I listen to this song, it's like, oh yeah, of course, Merillion were, and they were massive fans. Right. But a lot of, there's a lot of songs that Merillion did that sound a lot like this song, the specific okay. chord changes and specific sort of sections in this song. is like, oh yeah, this is totally where, you know, that's totally where their Phil. Oh, what's his name? No, I can't think of the keyboard player's name. This is totally where he's going with it. So I like that for that because I love Merillion and it's that little bridge between the old guard who would just start again out of Prague. They're sort of moving away from it a little bit, and the band that's sort of taking up the mantle and carrying on that sort of um, that idea.
0: So there's just a cool little link there. Cool, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'll check them out uh, after hearing uh, what you like out of early uh, Genesis, but uh, <laughs> what what were your votes on uh, Heat Haze? I mean, I went music six. You know, it's, I like the effect
1: on the digital piano at the beginning. I think that's super cool. I'm not too sure what it is either. I have to or maybe ask Mr. Randy about that. Um, I like the, I love the little bass runs that Mike does. They, they add so much to the song. The drums are super deep in the pocket. They're not, like you said, I mean, it, now and again they come to the fore, but they're just sitting back. There's, Phil's not playing a lot on that. Um, lyrics again, I mean, I don't know. I just always kind of like these lyrics. I don't know what it is about them, but I you know, there's that line in it where he says, um, The trees and I are shaken by the same wind, but whereas the trees will lose their withered leaves, I just can't seem to let them loose. So it's almost, it's that you know, when you can't shake off a funk, you're in a funk and you just can't shake it. So I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's a mental health aspect to this song and sort of he's talking a little bit about depression, maybe. Mm. And I don't know if I'm just sort of, you know, painting my own sort of picture over top of that, but... I've always, yeah, I've always kind of liked these lyrics. I know the, you don't dig the abstract stuff. So and that's fine. That's all good.
0: I, I dig um, it. Uh, if it sounds cool, it kind of has like yeah. a cool kind of motif to it. Uh, and and th- this one to me just, just didn't. But there are Tony Banks songs where he does have dominoes, the perfect example. Those yeah. lyrics make no fucking sense. But blood on the windows, millions of ordinary people are dead. Like, I'm in. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Children are, are what screaming and playing with books fucking right let's do this thing uh, I, domino <laughs> has me start to finish in. but this one here yeah, yeah. Uh, i i just wasn't in uh what did you give it for lyrics then what was your score uh
1: six for music seven for lyrics okay. um and then three for production like i said it is again is this one this one probably is one of the few genesis songs i'll say might be a bit long they probably could have wrapped this one up a little bit quicker um and it's pretty repetitive in the structure it's just abc abc
0: um, so, uh, you know, I don't know, again, that's nitpicking. So six, seven, and three for me, Corey, how about you? You know, we're pretty close. Uh, six for music. Uh, I gave it the exact same comments you made. Uh, lyrically, I gave it a four though, uh, a little below average for me on the lyrics and a production of three. So I was six, four, yeah. and three. Uh, but you know, all in all, it's still a, a pretty positive song and a, a pretty decent, uh, side A to an album. I was actually really impressed uh, with this one. My averages, uh, for side A of Duke were seven for music, seven for lyrics and three and a half for production guess what mine are seven seven and 35 7 and a half seven seven and three and a half yeah <laughs> there you go we came about it in different ways and on different yeah. songs but we came to the same end result that's kind of cool you know have you ever heard that th- i can't remember the theory the, the theory now but if you if you
1: the theory is that like if, if you get a, something like 100 people to guess the number of marbles in a jar you know that whole thing you guess the, yep. they'll all, they'll always get it within three Like, if you average it out, it's the wisdom of crowds. That's what it is. So, there we go. We've got the wisdom of crowds. You know, we're we're coming at it from different angles, um, but we're ending up in the same place. Now, this side of this album for me, the first four songs really set up the side. And Heat Haze takes us slowly out of it. It's just that misunderstanding is the one that fucking throws it off for me. Even if, like, just like I said, if you throw, turn it on again on side A, it leaves side B a bit weaker. But I think if you replace, misunderstanding with turn it on again that's a really fucking strong side that's a yeah. really really strong side you know and again the first two tracks man behind the lines and duchess like I said, duchess is one
0: of my favorite genesis songs but i think it just opens so strong i agree a uh, great start to side a and uh, even uh, guide vocal was just that little kind of connective tissue to get us to, to the next song it yeah, had that led into turn it on again Oh, this would have been a, a side full of nines, uh, I, I think. But uh, the sequencing does even matter when you're looking at just isolating things too. Like, well, this, you know, it's a, kind of the mood you're in when you get yeah. to certain songs, right? And that's what really killed me on the last record because uh, that record put me in a shitty mood when I got to a decent song. I'm like, fuck that song, <laughs> fuck these guys. Fuck. But no, uh, th- this song left me quite, or this side left me quite happy. I, I'm really digging Duke so far and I'm really yeah. looking forward to side two. So just generally so far, though, quickly, Corey, before we wrap things up here,
1: in terms of the the feel and the sound of this record, is this, I'm assuming, is a lot... When you listen to this, you're like, oh, actually, you know, this is the genesis I know. Because mm-hmm. I know that you didn't know this album, because we talked about this, because you've got Abercap to come yet, really, before you get to the self-titled album. So it's really that kind of thing where they've... It's a massive shift. And I don't know that I've ever read or heard anyone from the band talk about where that sonic shift came from because it really is marked like this this sounds nothing like and then there were three it sounds Not nothing like wind and Wuthering. it just doesn't sound anything like those albums so and it's the same producer
0: it's the same people in the room i wonder where that came from you know that they went their separate ways for a little bit right they weren't just like uh, uh, album tour album tour this was album tour and then solo stuff right yeah. so tony got away from maybe you know he could do his own thing uh, Mike could do his own thing. Phil was trying to keep a marriage together and working on a solo album at the same time. So, you know in their life they're in different places but musically they're in different places too and you, you kind of find that whenever uh, members of a band go off and do solo stuff and then come back together and th- that's one of the tragic things about the beatles if you watch the uh, get back documentary peter jackson did on the beatles yep. where george harrison was talking to john lennon and said i got all these songs made i don't know what to fucking do with them all and john's like just do the beatles thing then do a solo record and then let's all come back and do the beatles thing and yep. had they followed that template the beatles could have went on for for decades and Paul McCartney even said he never heard that conversation until he saw the documentary and said, I wish I would have known that. Because then yeah. the Beatles wouldn't have broken up and, and they could have kept going. The, the individual members could have went off, did their own thing, kind of satisfied those itches they had, like, oh, fucking Tony Banks will let me play my my weird little song here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put it on a solo album. You, you kind of alleviate yeah. that. And then you're ready to come back into Genesis. You, you get back together with a group. You're like, all right, let, let's just fucking go like, like, like this band can do. We're all talented folks. We play well together. Boom. And, and they put out a, a great sounding record.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a a fairly well it might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know. I'm kind of glad the Beatles called it a day when they did. I'm a huge, I mean, I'm a fucking huge Beatles fan, but I think that they, I think they were done. I think they, I, I think the the creative directions that if you think about you know all things must pass, if you think about the first, the you know McCartney's first solo album, Paul McCartney, McCartney, McCartney one or whatever the yep. fuck the title is, and Lennon's first solo effort, they're so different. I mean, you know, the White Album's got a lot of eclectic stuff on there and it works because it's just this weird mishmash. I don't think they could have sustained it. And I don't, I certainly don't think the egos would have lasted that long because George, I mean, you know what, actually, the, the, and the one who would have been the flying the ointment would have been George because George was always the junior partner in the songwriting department. And yet when you listen to All Things Must Pass, this is a guy who can really fucking write songs and wants to just mm. branch out. So I'm kind of glad that, it ended when it did. It didn't end brilliantly
0: and no one was ready for it, but the body of work that they left us with, my God. Well, and some might say George even surpassed uh, John Lennon and maybe even Paul McCartney in the songwriting aspect too. Like he oh, came man. up with some, some pretty good tunes. I mean, something. While My Guitar Gently Weeps. There's a here Comes time. the Sun. Dude, yeah. these are fucking great songs. My Sweet Lord. I was just watching oh, Guardians of the God. Galaxy again and how they use that song is so perfect. Oh man, when you watch that live too, the concert for
1: George, when they, I can't remember exactly who he plays it. It's just, it, rips your heart out it's yeah. and i'm not a am not a i'm not a, a Crizzle. i don't i don't believe in the big guy in the sky watching that watching us masturbate you know <laughs> if that's his thing that's fair
2: enough but <laughs> it, it, it's just randy
1: <laughs>
0: in, in your rec room watching him masturbate it's a little different but melodically
1: oh it was billy Preston who sang it at the concert okay. with George. georgia it's just my god it's a good song yeah really really is
0: it doesn't you don't even have, have to be on village and no. Evangelical or, or believe in God or anything to 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 appreciate that it could just be you know my, my sweet earth uh, in a way right it could be whatever you kind of hold dear and true to you yeah melody melody is king man and yep. George had it for days and days and days okay
1: well you know what folks we've done another episode here and thanks for uh, listening um you know what? check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Ultimate Catalog Clash on Facebook and, and at You Catalog Clash on Twitter which makes us sound I've just realized makes us sound like university with the University of Catalog Clash. I'm all right with that. You know what? Fuck it. Let's run with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to get my degree, but uh, I'm okay with it.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, folks. Uh, We're going to be back with you next week to talk about Side B uh, from Duke, which has got a pretty fucking big song to start her off.